0: In this episode, I am joined by my sister, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on what I'm going to label as the second half of season 13 of Doctor Who. It was really the Eve of the Daleks special from New Year's Day, the Legend of the Sea Devils special from middle of April, and then the Power of the Doctor from kind of the middle of October, which was the last of Jodie Whittaker's run. And I had expected after the flux that that was like the first half of season, we'd get, you know, another six, seven episodes or something. Didn't happen that way. And I think that kind of matters because like Eve of the Daleks, which was not a bad episode. It was a time loop thing with the Daleks. It was kind of interesting, whatever. But as the, this is the only story you're going to get until what turned out to be April, but until who knows when. Mm-hmm. It was standalone-ish, but it was it was not satisfying as standalone-ish, if you know what I mean.
1: Well, it was lackluster as a holiday special. Yeah. It was only tied to New Year's in so much as it took place on New Year's Eve.
0: But it could have been any evening. Yeah. I mean, there was one thing where the, the mom had to call or whatever at midnight, but,
1: but honestly, that wasn't essential. It could have happened on Valentine's Day.
0: It could have happened then. It could have happened on... I was gonna say Fourth of July, but that's very American.
1: Well, but I think for the for the reason they gave for Nick going to the self-storage, Valentine's Day would have made just as much sense.
0: Yes, yes. It's not like when they did some of the Christmas specials, it was very much a Christmassy story.
1: Yeah. And again,
0: it wasn't a bad episode, but it was a good episode in the middle of a season sort of good episode.
1: Well and it did have some classic Doctor feels In terms of, I want to say emotions and pep talks. Mm -hmm. You know, the doctor gives to me some of the most hilarious pep talks. In terms of, we try, we fail, we try, we We screw it up again. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you know
0: the the speechification aspect of the doctor.
1: Well, but I loved the doctor doing the. But we make friends along the way. We get better. We create this team, and in the end, we succeed.
0: Yeah. When it counts, we succeed. We may stumble along the way. We're not perfect. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it really was a, this is life. And life isn't about getting it perfect the first time. Life isn't about going it alone.
0: What I would kind of like to see, and they do enough panel shows over in in Britain that they could probably pull this together. And I'd like to see it as as almost a tag-along special to like the 60th anniversary or whatever. But- the doctor always gives that, that rousing speech, like you said. hmm But each one, like, when they're stuck in a time loop, we're going to fail a few times, but then we'll succeed. Have that as the core of the message. How would each of the different doctors have given that oh, moment's yeah. speech? Yeah. Because the Eccleson speech would have been very different than the Tennant speech, than the Matt Smith speech, than the Peter Capaldi speech, than what we got with Whitaker and stuff.
1: Well... And I think it really is such a defining mark of the doctor, if you will, that that's why during the pandemic, David Tennant's whole "It's gonna be okay."
0: Yes, there's a, a video on YouTube. I forget which show it was on, but if you if you search for "The Doctor" and "It's gonna be okay," he has two versions of it, and it was one of those where at the end of a panel show, it's like, "Okay, Tennant, you know, it's tough times, etc." can you give us that, that it's going to be all right kind of a speech? And he does it, you know, trust me, I'm the doctor or I'm yeah. the doctor kind of a thing. And of course the, the crowd kind of loves that and he gives a good thing. But then a year or two later, he gave another version of that. And it was very much the tenants, doctors kind of a thing. I, I highly recommend those videos. They're, they're inspiring, uplifting, you know, whatever you want to call them and such.
1: Well, and they trended online, not just to Doctor Who fans. Mm-hmm. And when he was doing the rounds of like the Graham Norton show and talk shows like that, and people would ask him at the end of an interview, would you take a moment to tell the audience it's going to be okay?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and it kind of became his thing for a bit. But it would if he hadn't played the Doctor, would people have gravitated to, because part of it is his delivery, his voice. He's a natural for it, but he got so good at it playing the doctor. Well, there
0: are very few characters that have the, I can do this because I'm me. Mm. you know. And really beyond the doctor and Batman, you could argue a little of Iron Man maybe, but it's not like, well, he can do it, he's Superman, as if that imbues certain powers. I mean, Superman has powers, but it, there, there's so many characters in, in fiction of various forms that a heroic, impressive, whatever, but not as kind of iconic. Yeah. You know, and, and self-defining in a weird way. And and for the doctor, that's fascinating given how distinct the iterations and regenerations are.
1: hmm I liked the companion Dan here.
0: I yes. And he had only been introduced in The Flux. So he's one of the shorter term companions, not mm-hmm. the shortest. I think that goes to the ones for the Paul McGann doctor, which had the hour and a half and like 90 some odd minute TV movie ah. for the sole extent of that doctor's existence. I mean, he's gotten to where, I don't want to say he's spent almost as much time in specials after that as he did in that movie, but percentage wise, it's impressive. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I feel this, I mean, there's, there's, there's the three specials we had eve of the the daleks which was a yeah the daleks are in there but it was really more about the time loop thing yeah there's the legend of the sea devils which was interesting i guess the sea devils existed before but that was lost on me but not essential Mm -hmm. and then we had the power of the doctor and stuff and the other thing to be talking about is not just those three episodes but this being the culmination particularly with the power of the doctors which was a hour and a half thing whereas the others were 50 ish minutes or something This is the end of Jodie Whittaker's run as the Doctor.
1: Well, Dan, as you said, wasn't in there for much Mm -hmm. in terms of kind of came late to the game, Uh, was used pretty well. But then as we get to the power of the Doctors, he gets written out or he stops being a companion pretty early in there.
0: He was in, I would say, more the framing sequence than the, the episode itself.
1: And I think that's a great way to describe it. But there came a point fairly soon after where I'm like, ah, that's why he had to leave the doctor. Because having only one companion makes these scenes work. If there were two companions, some of these scenes wouldn't work.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny. I think a few of the scenes would have played differently if it had been Dan and not Yaz.
1: And definitely true. What I
0: loved about the power of the doctor is also what, I don't say is it's failing, but it's It did such a great job of celebrating not only the end of Whitaker's run, but doing callbacks, bringing in Ace, bringing in Tegan, a couple of of cameos of a few other companion stuff, bringing Graham back Mm. for a bit from the beginning of Whitaker's run.
1: I still want to know how he got where he was, but I loved it. Well, they'd set up,
0: he and and Ryan were going to go, you know, use the the psychic paper and go save the world on their own. Still have adventures.
1: And I still get that, but... He was inside a volcano.
0: Yes. But you could argue the same thing with Ace and Tegan. It's kind of in their DNA at that point yeah. to, to continue adventuring. We saw that definitely with Sarah Jane in the Sarah Jane Adventures. But I also loved how that special brought in so many past iterations of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. They had the guy who's the, the new version of the original Doctor. They had the, the Paul McGann Doctor from, again, that, that American TV movie. They had Sylvester McCoy, John Baker, two or three others. And I am not well enough schooled on the old school doctors. Neither am I. You know, once you get from, from Paul McGann forward, I've watched all that stuff. I have not watched all the originals. And of course, some of the, the, the original first and I believe like the second, third, and fourth may no longer be with us or whatever. But they pulled in so many familiar faces. Now, granted. They're older, but they kind of, you know, explain that away as they typically do when they bring the older doctors back and such. But it did such a great job of reuniting a few past doctors with their companions, showcasing some of the history of it in a way that Doctor Who's done a few times. With the Impossible Girl stuff with uh, Clara, I thought they did a beautiful job of even having some footage of the various doctors and stuff. I would have loved for her to have been in this episode, but they kind of couldn't because they would need to explain because she went off adventuring on her yeah. own. Yeah, yeah. But the the flaw, if anything, and it's not really a flaw, but the the challenge, I guess, that this puts is one of the next things that's going to happen in short order is it's going to be the 60th anniversary of the Doctor. And I know Russell T. Davies has got to have plans for that. Mm-hmm. And this is a hard act to follow.
1: When it was interesting seeing the current iteration of The Doctor, Joey Wicker, talking to the previous iterations of The Doctor as she's kind of trying to figure, okay, where am I? Why am I?
0: Yes. Well, and the writer for this uh, stuff, Chris Chubnall, I think it is, very much into the action y, adventure spectacle stuff, because there's a lot of things that are just visually exciting to watch. Maybe not always makes the most sense. And I think. This take on the Doctor's a little bit different than Russell T. Davies, than oh, who were some of the other guys that were the showrunner, kind of mm. head honchos. I'm blanking on the names and I apologize for that. But during the, the Matt Smith era and stuff like that, they've all had their own kind of take on it. And there's certain parts of the new mythologies that they are likely to, to play with and others they're likely to avoid versus at times some of the old school stuff, all of that seems to more or less be fair game.
1: What I felt in this final episode, and it drove me nuts, actually, the way they did, was instead of traveling through time, as we've done so often in the past, this was a two points in time are somehow tied together.
0: Well, and that goes to this writer having ideas and not really kind of explaining them or them always making sense because it seemed like the stuff that was happening back in 1916 over in Russia and such was set in a very clear point in time and space. And that's where it's like, oh, let's go kick off the the volcanoes and stuff. Yet it seems to be in 2022 that the volcanoes are going off. Mm -hmm. So there are a few things where I think on the writing side, they kind of messed up or, or lost track of things a little.
1: Yeah. I mean, certain things happening in 1916, I was okay with in terms of if you want to start your dominoes falling and say that this was a hundred years in the making somehow.
0: And you almost have to do that because otherwise, if the volcanoes had been going off in 1916, as it seemed to be the case, it's like, but in 2022, nobody had any problem with that. So clearly it failed.
1: Right. And that was the thing when the volcanoes are going off and. 2022, but we've done something detrimental to the doctor in 1916. That's where I just, I kept having all these breakdowns of how are these two times well, there's, connected?
0: there's a lot of things that didn't make sense. The doctor getting forced regenerated, okay, that makes sense. Getting forced regenerated into the master, not just a version of the master, but this specific version and such, like he's having somebody imprinted on top of him. Mm -hmm. that didn't make sense and then you've still got the old master that's kind of sort of there but not doing anything and it's like what's going on with that Mm -hmm. and those two phone booth type apparatus type things again very visually similar to the end of the david Tennant run
1: what if you had done those two phone boothy things zapping to a third phone boothy thing where kind of the two merged together
0: oh the gestalt regeneration it was as much the, the master doctor at that point yes That would have been interesting and would have made more sense, as much sense as anything else. And then you would have had the undo of, okay, let's split them apart. But at that point, you're practically telling a Star Trek story with a transporter accident.
1: Agreed. But the Master wanted everyone to believe the Master was the Doctor. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Master, but put on a mask or put on a Mission Impossible face skin thing and change your wardrobe.
0: Well, no, he doesn't even have to do that. He just needs to go out and say I'm the doctor. Yeah. He's a Time Lord. How can you how can a human tell one Time Lord from another?
1: Use the sonic.
0: Do the doctory things mm-hmm. and, and people will you've got If you've got a TARDIS, that's half of it right there.
1: Well, and the only thing he did or that we saw him do as he claimed to be the doctor was step out of a TARDIS and pose for a camera.
0: Imagine if this episode had started with Kate Stewart, "Doctor, we need help." Income three tardises mm. Whitaker and maybe two others, one of which is a new version of the master we haven't seen mm-hmm. maybe the other is a future or past doctor, you know kind of mm-hmm. a thing, and there's a how, how do i mean they they're all presenting as the doctor. we've seen multiple doctors at once before I mean
1: you know, and I don't know when they choose the next doctor in terms of when they film this, et cetera, et cetera, but with your three tardises theory. I would bring in the three and have the one that she immediately reject be the next Doctor.
0: Yeah, well, and they've, they've cast the next Doctor.
1: But I don't know in terms of when this was produced, if they had or hadn't.
0: I don't know. I don't know.
1: So I'm just saying, if you have three TARDISes arrive, you pull out the Doctor you recognize, the one that knows the Doctor so well, he can impersonate it, and the just regenerated, so is kind of Still acting wonky. themselves
0: out, yeah. Well, and again, when we saw the Joe Baker version or whatever earlier in, in one of the seasons and stuff, which was a past regeneration of the Doctor that we, is not part of the, the 13 or 14 mm. or whatever we're up to, mm-hmm. the the numbering gets a little weird because you kind of do and don't count the War Doctor. Yeah. And that's an easy one to kind of skip over and such. And now they've thrown another monkey wrench into it with the regeneration at the end of Power of the Doctor, mm-hmm. which I was a little miffed because I had, I mean, I had that spoiled with from a late-night talk show and stuff I caught the, the monologue from. And I'm like, come on, this is not a news story. Don't go spoiling somebody's story. And we've watched this within a week of it airing.
1: It's funny, though, because we start these podcasts with spoiler-filled. And we do. We spoil a lot. But we tell people we're going to do that. But and... but beyond that, though, we do hold back the things that I think we do.
0: Yes. and are... That's
1: surprises you really should enjoy in the moment because we want you to enjoy watching the program. We don't want to spoil the pleasure of viewing. We want to share with you the we hope you notice. And that's that's something that
0: I tend to allude to the thing that if you've, if you've watched it or read the comic, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, you don't know what I'm talking about and hopefully I'm not spoiling a major moment or something because I don't want to steal some some storyteller's thunder exactly but it's also something that what i choose to, to hold back and reveal versus what you choose or james on the monthly comic spotlight and stuff like that it's it's a judgment call there's no right or wrong answer and even though we're saying with this and uh, to a lesser degree i think also on the the monthly comic spotlight we are saying there are going to be spoilers mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean i want to tell you chapter and verse of everything yeah because I would have I was going through this episode or this this episode uh, special whatever you want to call it knowing what turned out to be the final moment
2: mm. but
0: not knowing it was the final moment just that this happens. Mm-hmm. And there were three or four places it could have been brought in. Yes. And I'm like, "Oh, is this going to be it? Is this going to be it? I was anticipating where the story could go knowing it where it did go."
1: Now, I did get you a freeze the frame at one point yes so we could look at the wardrobe because i'd seen that there was a whole article about one character's wardrobe
0: oh yeah there's easter eggs galore in some of this stuff and this is one where i would love to see somebody who is a doctor who expert Mm -hmm. doing a commentary on this episode and really if they could do it for the whole series of this is where they're setting up these characters are going to come back here At one point, a character crash lands somewhere, Mm. and it's like, seems familiar, but it had been long enough since we'd seen that character. I mean, over a year, I think, Mm -hmm. that it's like, I don't have the recollection. They didn't give me enough to, oh, that's who that is.
1: Well, the photos I would like to find and put side by side are the photos of that wardrobe moment Mm -hmm. I had you stop on, and then the photos of... Each of the Doctor holograms.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were a couple like, where the holograms were shifting back and forth a little too quickly and such that there's a lot, I think, if you freeze frame and pay a little more attention to and know exactly what they're calling back to. Because again, my knowledge of the original era Doctors mm-hmm. is is not what it, it could be. So it's like, I know they're pulling various things from, from this era, that, that era, whatever, But it's like, I I may be wrong as to which Doctor the specific was pulled from. I know it was Mm -hmm. pulled from one of them. Yeah, this one, again, had a ton of Easter eggs. I think there have been like the 50th anniversary and stuff. I thought that was just a a wildly exciting uh, episode to watch.
1: I think the power of the Doctor was a lot better than a lot of what we've seen. It was certainly
0: better than the Eve of the Daleks and uh, Legend of the Sea Devils, which we haven't talked much about. And that's because... It was a run-of-the-mill episode.
1: In a it was. There were a couple things that felt like, you know, we've seen it before. Somebody's trying to, if not terraform, convert a planet.
0: Well, when you've got the sea devils and it's the, well, they're the original inhabitants of Earth, it's like, wait a second, didn't we have that, that subterranean lizard race or whatever that were the original inhabitants and stuff? Yeah. How many original inhabitants of this Earth planet have there been? Yeah. You know, And I'm not saying it's wrong or out of continuity. I'm just saying, come on, guys.
1: I had a personal issue with the pirate that set everything off. Mm-hmm. And I just wished they would have addressed the fact that at the time frame they were at, it was considered bad luck to have a woman on board a ship.
0: I think there are a lot of things in the, the Sea Devils one they could have explained a little better to give some context. Certain things just kind of happen to get the ball rolling. And then again, this the Whitaker era is very much because of the writer. A roller coaster ride, yes. It's fun. It's energetic. There's a lot of okay. We've just we're it, We start in the action and run, you know. But it it doesn't always make a ton of sense.
1: And we leave the TARDIS behind
0: a few times that magically survives.
1: Well, but I mean, we we leave the TARDIS at the bottom of the ocean. We go to the surface of the ocean with no way, conceivably, of getting back to the bottom of the ocean, quite possibly. Okay, and, so and we're fine with it.
0: They, they leave the TARDIS in that one. In EVE of the Daleks, they leave it in the storage place as, as they get out. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it miraculously survives and they can get back to it. Did they leave it in the power of the Doctor? I think a time or two. It, it, it's one of those things that's like, come on. I think with the TARDIS and the Sonic... It's kind of one of those things like Batman's utility belt. Oh, they're relying on it too much. Let's do a story without it. Let's let's show that it's the character, not the gadgets or something. And mm-hmm. there's a part of it where, yeah, that makes sense. On the other hand, you've got the cool gadgets for a reason.
1: Well, we used to have the snap that opened the door.
0: That was a Capaldi era thing. And that I don't know that it really, sur- it didn't exist before or after.
1: Well, but I guess my point is I want a doctor who has some kind of option on the Sonic. It's kind of a make the TARDIS come here.
0: Kind of a whistle for it.
1: Yeah. So the they can leave the the TARDIS behind as long as they have the Sonic. Yeah.
0: yeah. Because
1: otherwise this whole, I abandoned it at the bottom of the ocean in a time before scuba gear is invented. But yeah. I'm not worried. It doesn't make sense. Well,
0: there were a couple of times in the C-double one where it's like, okay, you've got the air bubble, but it sure seems like you're underwater.
1: Well, and they finally said that there was some kind of force field. But that got swept away in one line of dialogue. It took me a while to figure out that the monster was a ship. Mm. At least I think that's what when we got swallowed by the monster. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that the way that happened was such that I didn't realize what I was seeing.
0: Again, this era, it's write what's cool, not what makes sense. Mm. And some of the other showrunners and such... Have have again taken a little bit of a different direction and stuff like that, but Russell T Davies, I'm excited he's coming back because he's a very good storyteller. He understands the Doctor. I think th- this power of the Doctor ends in a potential sweet spot for him mm. and gives him a, a good starting point. And I'm wondering if some of the stuff that was that was established. First, a little with the Matt Smith of, yeah, this 12 regenerations and that's it. Well, nah, forget that. We got a whole new set. And then expanded on and, and gone in a totally another direction with the Whitaker stuff of there's this other backstory of mm-hmm. the Doctor. The Doctor's not just a Time Lord. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if Russell T. Davies is going to take it and run with it or sweep it under the rug or or what. And I'm hoping... Particularly in light of what we just saw with the power of the doctors and using the history of the the character and stuff to tell a really fun story without trying to you know explain things away or whatever, I mean we got to see what happened to some characters, but it's not like it was fixing continuity holes yeah but if if we can see with the sixtieth anniversary coming up a really i don't want to say a love fest of the history and stuff, but again, some of what we saw with the impossible girl. With the 50th anniversary stuff what we saw here of there is this rich world that the doctor is not only exploring, but building and leaving behind him or her.
1: I think this final episode also gave the possibility of a really entertaining spinoff.
0: I think so. And there's another episode where I was gonna say it was the blink episode, but it's not, but it was around that era where there was another group that was aware of the doctor Mm. and trying to find clues or whatever. And that was also something that was established in the beginning of the Eccleston run because Mickey was kind of, Oh, I've heard these stories of the doctor. This is what's happened to Rose, all those sorts of things. But yeah, where they, the tag scene or whatever, near the end of, of power of the doctor, where they get a bunch of characters together, they've alluded to those sorts of of things, not those sorts of meetings. Exactly. But again, past companions having adventures, Mm -hmm. you know, that I'd love to see more of. There's a lot of the world of the Doctor that you could tell fascinating stories of with the Doctor being felt but not present.
1: See, for me, I would love that and I love that that would be all Earth-centric and yet that these three and a half hours were so Earth-centric kind of disappointed me.
0: I'd love to see a special set in the Doctor Who universe that brings back the daughter of the doctor. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think the door is definitely open to doing that. And bringing back Clara and the person she went adventuring with. Mm-hmm. You know, And you've got that, you've got some of the stuff from Torchwood to play with. Mm-hmm. And you could do a couple... I, I'd love to have something where you wind up finding out that a certain event has gotten people Investigating it, going after it from multiple angles, and they all just kind of converge.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, much like when we saw Graham yes. empowering the Doctor with with Ace and stuff, and it's like when Ace turns around and bumps into him, I'm like, wow, that was a great moment. I didn't know that guy was coming back for this. It the scene made sense from both perspectives. Yes, yes. it just it, it floors me how good Power of the Doctor was in many respects. Not to say it was perfect or anything; it had some definite failings, but. From the cool moment aspect and the callbacks and all of that versus the Legend of the Sea Devils, which was a fine episode, but nothing to write home about. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the Day of the Daleks, which was kind of a, a groundhog day with the Daleks and their motivation and a few other things. It was. It's not that it wasn't explained. It was just, uh, we knew you'd be vulnerable here, so we're attacking. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's great motivation. Mm-hmm. To have those lacklustery things and then wind up on such a high note. And also both with the flux and I guess it was the previous season where we're setting up the kind of the never dying child or whatever it was, there was a lot of interesting ideas there, but I didn't feel all of it tied together in quite the way that some of the stuff happened, like with the end of the Matt Smith stuff and a few other things there. Yeah. So I mean these these three specials were good. They were entertaining. I think it ended on the highest note versus mm-hmm. the other two, but I was also ready for not so much the Jodie Whittaker era to end, but the showrunners era to end.
1: I agree with that.
0: And there was an aspect of Whittaker's Doctor that was enjoyable but seemed like a, a riff on tenants run. Mm. Which the the two have worked together, so I'm sure there had to be some talking of, yeah, who's the doctor, how do, you know, and that kind of a thing. And it's always easy to to go riff on a past doctor. At least it wasn't the immediate past doctor. But there were also a couple of subtle changes that they did with the this doctor, you know, the fam versus the companions, a few things like that. I didn't think the interior of the, the TARDIS was particularly brilliant this time. It was fun. It was nice. But I've I've got to say that. Probably my favorite of the current era doctors would be uh, Capaldi's TARDIS, Mm. the kind of the the big library. Yeah, it was good for walking around and doing things. Now, granted, the Tennant and Smith era TARDISes those were great too. Yeah. So, I mean, I I enjoyed all of this stuff, but I came out of particularly Eve of the Daleks thinking, man, if if I because we'd held off until we had all three to watch, if we had watched that back around January 1st when it came out. And then it's a, the Doctor will be back eventually. Yeah. I'd have been, this is what they left us with? hmm And honestly, even with the Sea Devils one in, in April, if we'd watched that thinking, oh, now we get this. And this is what they gave us to tide us over until whenever? hmm Because I, I always hated the end of a season, do they know and are they going to tell me when the special is? The end of the special of do they know when the next season's going to be? You know, and if if they can get into a cadence, I mean, when Tennant did his final year where it was like four specials and it was more or less quarterly, okay, that's cool. That works. Yeah. But when it's getting to where it's almost a year or something like that, it's like, oh. And granted, with Whitaker's run, pandemic, those sorts of things.
1: Well, and this last one was a lot of effects.
0: Oh, yeah. It was a lot of effects, large cast. Mm-hmm. Again, they brought in, you know, there were eight doctors in this thing. Yeah. And I feel they probably could have brought in a few more if they'd had the time, the budget, whatever. If this had been a multi-episode anniversary extravaganza, mm-hmm. they could have done some cool things. Because there were also a number of other companions they could have brought in. And such. Yeah. It's not like they'd pulled out all the stops. But again, hour and a half, Cyberman, Daleks, the Master, plus the Doctor, the current companions, past. There was a lot going on. Yeah. And you're right, they did not skimp on the effects. There were a few here and there that I felt were a little gratuitous. And did that one character really need to be there? You could have replaced him with five or six other individuals just as easily. Mm. Uh, Vinder, I think, could have just as easily been either Mickey or a few of the other more militaristic past companions. Yeah. Not that there have been that many, but I mean, yeah. So I really want to see Doctor Who get back on its A game Mm -hmm. because I do think there was a period where. You had Doctor Who, you had Torchwood, the Sarah Jane Adventures. So you had Doctor Who, Doctor Who Dark with Torchwood, Doctor Who Light with Sarah Jane Adventures, because it was a kid's show.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And Russell T. Davies was universe building before that was really the thing it is now. Well, and I've got to imagine that's why they brought him back.
1: And one of the things I've liked about Doctor Who is the fact that it's not just outer space sci-fi, and it's not just Earth-based Future sci fi, it's both.
0: You know, if they could find a way to get people around other than the TARDIS, mm. you could take the past companions, mix and match a couple of times, and do a quarterly special that's in the Doctor Who universe without the Doctor. Yeah. And it could just be as simple as the Doctor's busy, he's tasking you three with doing this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. So. Again, out of these three, and again, I was expecting a second half of the season, multiple arcs and uh, episodes in an arc or whatever, didn't get that, got three specials, none of which were bad, two of which were lackluster, the third of which I think really did end Whitaker's run gracefully, nicely, impressively. Again, there was some craziness in the story that if you try to explain it, I don't think you can, Mm-mm. but it was fun to watch. Yeah. And I'm I'm looking forward to where things go next. I think we're at a period where we're going to have kind of an interim arc and I'm half expecting Russell T. Davies got a couple of things he just never got around to the first time. Yeah. That will tide us over for a little bit and then we're going to get that next Doctor and move forward.
1: Makes sense, yeah.
0: Should be a fun run.
1: Yeah, I agree. Anything else? I think that does it.
0: Cool.